the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, that is the playbook on what a Christian leader should be about. Jesus gave it, and he proved it by living it as he went to the cross. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, but we would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Today's message from Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the continuation of a message he calls Joseph the Leader. And we'll complete that broadcast here today. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Joseph treated every job of service just as important as if it was the whole kingdom in his hand. Some people say, well, Pastor Mike, I wish I'd get an important job in the church. You ever hear someone say that? I'll tell you the important jobs of the church. It's pulling the weeds. It's making sure that the carpet's clean. It's making sure the bathrooms work. It's making sure the infrastructure doesn't fall. It's being faithful as a Sabbath school teacher, this, that, and so on. These so-called mundane things, without faithfulness, the church would fall and die. They are the greatest factors of being called. I don't know about you, I believe as a leader, God calls on me to get busy in the week and do physical labor at the church. We don't have enough money to hire a bunch of people to keep this place going. So if God wants me to pull weeds, I go pull weeds. God wants me to clean the bathroom, I'll clean the bathroom. And I believe that that's my calling as a pastor. Because what God calls you to do is not anything different than me because we are here to love the church and serve it. Joseph served in Potiphar's house faithfully as a humble servant. Have you ever served and you felt bad about, oh, i got to do this. I wish I wasn't out here doing I had a real lesson to learn in the struggle for this church building. For about 10 years, we got nowhere in the legal system fighting to get the place up. And we didn't have the money to mow these grounds. And we had about eight acres back then, a lot more than we have now. And my job every week was to go out on a lawnmower and mow this entire thing, recover from that sweaty experience, and then to get on with the preaching. I remember when I first started doing that. At first, it was fun riding the lawnmower. It's like a go-kart. You know, you do wheelies. You know, we were having fun, you know, trying to jump over things. But in time, it gets boring. I remember as I was just sitting here for five, six hours on end saying, Oh, Lord, why did you bring me out here to do this? I went to seminary, and here I am doing nothing but weeding the place and mowing the place. And in time, my prayers begin to shift. I said, wait a second. Men of God are supposed to be praying people, right? I'm complaining, but I'm praying. And then it hit me. I got five hours on this lawnmower to pray. And I started praying the whole time. I relished the time I could come out here and work because I prayed all the way through. 
You know, this year when we were weeding the weed beds, it's quite a job to do that. I decided I'd listen to Joseph's life on the Bible through the whole thing. I listened over and over and over. I got more Bible weeding than I did without weeding. See, service has its own intrinsic reward built in. You benefit from it when it's freely given. When he was accused wrongfully, Joseph, he served at Potiphar's jailhouse with a smile. As a humble prisoner in the house of the round in Hebrew, the circle of the mundane is personal experience of pain and endurance, but it says that God was in the jail with Joseph. And Joseph treated every job of service just as important as if the whole world was on his shoulders. Friends, if you cannot be faithful in the little things of life, the little things in the church, dear heart, don't expect God to exalt you to great things in your life. Choices matter, so make good ones every day for God. Max Dupree once said, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. Genesis 41, 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. The man who had been a servant all his life rose to greatness as a servant for Pharaoh. The Bible says he entered the service of Pharaoh. The man who had a slave went out into all the land of Egypt as a servant leader, the prime minister of Egypt. And when his disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest, Jesus, he pointed them to the role of a servant leader. He must have had Joseph in mind, I believe. Mark 10, 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, that is the playbook on what a Christian leader should be about. Jesus gave it, and he proved it by living it as he went to the cross. Joseph was able to lead a servant life because he had a sense of his life in God's hands. He knew that God had redeemed him, therefore he could work for the redeeming of others. When his firstborn son Manasseh was born, he confessed that God had caused him to forget all his father's house and the new life he had with Asenath. And because he forgave, because he forgot, because he was able to move on and look to the future, he was able in God's providence to serve as a leader for the good of others, including his family. In time, God used Joseph. He used him to save his whole family as a servant to his brothers. In the Hebrew of Genesis 49, 26, I'm not going to read it, Joseph is called the devoted one to his brothers, but the Hebrew verb is the word for Nazarite, the one set aside for devotion for his brothers. He loved his brothers. He lived for their good, the devoted of his brothers. How many of you know John Michael and Donald here? Some of you don't because my boys are older and have moved on. I mean, they stuck together like glue. If anyone messed with Donald... John Michael would roll his sleeves up and it's time for you to get a bloody eye or something. He wouldn't put up with that. You know, brothers take up for brothers. Now my younger son is more able to take up for his older brother. And Donald is the one who has the full training, the military and the like. But they stick together like glue. That's what happens. Joseph was the devoted one for his brothers. Psalm seventy-seven, fifteen. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob, 
and Joseph. God didn't just save his brothers. God saved Joseph too. Divine leadership dimension number six. Say it with me. Synergy energy. Can you say it? Synergy energy. Joseph was a man of action who moved decisively to save the world by the bold utilization of others and their resources. Synergy energy. As soon as Joseph was appointed prime minister, he moved throughout the entire land of Egypt to save the whole world. He had to mobilize the resources. He had to cooperate. He had to be more than a leader. He had to be someone who could move and motivate and thus crystallize the will of a nation. He mobilized the good plan of God to save the world based on Pharaoh's dreams and God's intervention in his life. He scurried and he hurried to get it done for God and others in the most efficient kind of way possible. He did not squander the seven years of plenty. He utilized them to the full. He did not settle into an analysis paralysis of success. Some people say, well, I'm a success. Then let me study how to be a success. And then they give seminars on how to be a success. Joseph had no time for that kind of thing. He was about the business of being a success. He rose to heights of grand and noble success as he pressed on to achieve more and more and more for God and others. Joseph moved from one great endeavor to a greater one until the latter outstripped the former and left it far behind. Friend, leaders don't hide in their bunkers when trouble approaches, and they don't live in the past and celebrate their previous victories. Leaders advance the cause to prepare for an uncertain future, and through planning, through mobilization, through prayer, through commitment, they advance and they take the future as a leader. In Genesis 41, 46, the Bible records, And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. He immediately started acting when he was made prime minister. Verse 47, During the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years when there was plenty in the land of Egypt. And he stored up food in the cities. He stored up in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. That's a grand enterprise. Joseph was the man who could care less about measuring his accomplishments. He wanted to achieve them. He was more concerned in achieving greatness rather than receiving the accolades of greatness. The man who waits to be praised or the woman who waits to be praised or liked in order to succeed is the man or woman who is weak, who will cease to be a leader, and who will certainly fail. Friend, leaders who are real leaders, don't worry about whether or not they're like, they lead until they can't or they're done. Divine leadership dimension number seven, mercy and grace. I end with this one because this is really the greatness of the man, more than anything we've spoken of here before. Joseph was a man who had received the mercy of God. And so he was grateful as a leader, redeemed by God, to share the mercy he had received with his brothers and with others. When a leader can show no mercy, he or she demonstrates by his or her pettiness that they are insecure and wholly unfit to lead others. When someone makes a mistake, and everyone does, you know, some people say, well, I'm going to get rid of that person. I don't want them in my team. I don't think that way. I think it takes a lot of time to retool someone who's made a mistake. How many of you have ever made mistakes? Raise your hand. I'm raising mine. When someone makes a mistake, and everyone does, it may seem easier to discard that person, fire them, and to seek another to take their place. But that's really a bad choice. 
I've been betrayed by people I have showed mercy to as a leader. It's a fact. I have. But I haven't betrayed myself by showing them mercy. When a leader redeems someone who has failed, if that person takes the lesson to heart, and they don't always do this, but if they do, they will never fail again. That lesson becomes a part of their character and they're overcomers. And you see, they're not just followers when they respond this way. They become leaders. They become leaders. And they will appreciate the leader who gave them a second chance so that they themselves could learn to lead. Mentoring is huge. And making mistakes is part of the plan. But a good leader will not demoralize someone who has failed. Joseph empowered his fallen brothers. How? By forgiving them. And in so doing, Joseph became a type of Jesus Christ who forgives us all so we can overcome. Christ is leader, but friends, Christ forgives us. Sin is odious to Jesus, but he loves us more than he hates sin. A person who can't forgive themselves is of little use in the service of God for others. Now, I've struggled with that in my life. I'm a perfectionist type. If I do something and it's not right or I mess up here or there, I can be on myself for six months. Any perfectionists like Mike Oxentanko around here? There's a couple of you. Okay, I'm in good company. But I had to learn that God expects me to forgive myself when I take a new road, when I try to correct an error. God wants me to quickly receive grace in my life. And you know what? He wants you to do the same. God is not in the business of beating you down. God is in the business of lifting you up. As soon as Joseph's brothers learned that he was alive, Joseph forgave them outright. And he quickly put them to work for a noble cause. I've said this. When my mother met my father after many years, where he had remarried and had other children, she had lived a hard life, tormented at times with mental illness. The greatness of my mother was... When my father said, will you forgive me? In the instant, she said, I will and I do. Didn't take a lot of time. Didn't fry him over the fire. She forgave him of his sin. That's what happens when a man or woman is baptized. God forgives them of their sins, all of their sins. God forgives them all their sins and he puts them quickly to work for the noble cause of God. Friends, if you have been baptized, you have been forgiven. Think about that. How many have been baptized here? Hands high if you've been baptized. Don't ever be ashamed of your baptism. Okay, Keep it up. I want a real number here. Okay, You have been forgiven. Now let's turn that into the personal. I was baptized. Come on. Come on, say it with me. I was baptized. I have been forgiven. And doesn't that make you want to smile and jump up? Now I'm not a charismatic or a Pentecostal, but I might say hallelujah to something like that. And get excited about that. I have been baptized. I've been forgiven. The Bible says the one who's been baptized has been justified from sin in the Greek of Romans 6, 7. God has forgiven you all of your sins in Jesus at the cross so that you can live a life no longer shackled by the guilt and fear of the past, but motivated by a loving God who loves you for the future. Would to God that the leaders of the church today were just as forgiving as Joseph was in his day. Politicians don't forgive people. Politicians use people to get what they want. Joseph valued his family and his friends enough to forgive because he cared about them all. He was a good man. 
We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Thus the greatness of the man as a leader was defined by the tender heart, strong as steel, ever ready, ever eager to forgive. Genesis 50, verse 17, Joseph's brothers came to him. Daddy had died. They wanted to hook him in so he wouldn't get him in trouble. They wanted to use the words of their father to manipulate him so they wouldn't be judged. He said, but Papa said, say to Joseph, forgive, I pray you, the transgressions of your brothers and their sins because they did this evil to you. And now we pray you forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. They're saying, we're religious men now. Our father was a religious man. For his sake, please forgive us. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. He couldn't believe it. He had already forgiven them. But they didn't believe him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Now he had them. If he wanted to demoralize them, he could do it. He had a right to. His life had been wrecked for most of his life. But Joseph said to them, verse 19, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. Question mark. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he reassured them and comforted them. That's a leader. There are many more attributes of leadership in Joseph's life that propelled him to greatness in his day. But for the morning, these seven I have mentioned will suffice. Let's review them together again so we don't forget. Leadership dimension number one, divine purpose. Come on. Divine purpose. Joseph was a leader raised up by God. He had divine purpose. Divine leadership dimension number two. Let's say it. Vision. Joseph was a dreamer of dreams. He was a visionary. All right? Divine leadership dimension number three. Integrity. Joseph was a man of principle and unswerving integrity. He had integrity, and so can we. Divine leadership dimension number four. Persistence. Let's say it together persistence. Joseph stayed the course and did not give up on God. Divine leadership dimension number five, service. Joseph in all humility was a servant leader. Divine leadership dimension number six, let's say it loudly, synergy energy. Synergy means when you work together and the whole is better than the parts. Joseph was a man of action who moved decisively to save the world by the bold utilization of others and their resources. He was the collaborative leader. And then, let's move to number seven. Divine leadership dimension number seven. What is it? Mercy and grace. Joseph was a man who had received the mercy of God. And so he was grateful as a leader to share the mercy he had received. In all these qualities, Joseph was a type of Jesus Christ, who got it done in a much better way in his 33 and a half years as a man than Joseph did. When Jesus went to the cross, friend, Jesus served us all. As he took our place, he took the base and the towel, he washed the feet of his disciples, and then he went to hell for us. That's what he did. He went through the second death for us after he did that. 
And so he took our personal perdition so that we would have his freedom to live in his rightful heaven. The book of Isaiah calls Jesus the servant who was high and lifted up and marred beyond human semblance. Beaten to a pulp as the servant that he was. Crushed to death as the servant that he had become. Condemned by our sins as the servant he did not deserve to be. And because Jesus was found in the form of a servant, Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that God has highly exalted him. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Peter, who would often go ahead of the Lord, made this confession after Jesus died. After the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. After Christ sought him out when he had denied him and restored him in love. And Peter said this in Acts 5.30-32, to The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Integrity. God raises up a man or woman who is truly Christ-like and not a politician. It is our Christian duty to support that godly leader as he or she leads us as shepherds of the sheep because we are all sheep to Jesus. Now when a leader violates the word of God, violates conscience, it's our role to stand against that. But when we have leaders in submission to God's will who are following the word of God, We need to let them lead and we need to benefit from their leadership. When our leaders who are godly leaders succeed, we succeed. When our leaders lead us right, we go in the right way. We are to have a clear spiritual perception. And when it is proven correct that we have chosen right for our leaders, we are to honor and respect those who lead us in the right way with the right character and concern. They're not perfect people, but they're God's people if they're the right kind of leaders. And God's plan, dear heart, the great qualities of a committed leader like Joseph are passed on to the people they lead. They don't just rest in the leader. We all benefit in the company of good and noble leaders because their goodness rubs off on us. You have people in your life, godly mentors, who spoke to you in love, who helped you grow. Hebrews thirteen seven. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 17, and 18. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as men who have to give an account. Let them do this joyfully and not sadly, for that will be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. That's the Joseph style of leadership. The greatness of a good and noble leader is contagious. And never forget that it is not a leader's calling to make followers. Did you hear me? It's not a leader's calling to make followers. A leader is called to make leaders. And so when a leader leads, he invests in you so that one day you can lead. And yes, you can lead with the leader. When you work with a leader, you're not a follower, you're a leader. Hebrews 13, 24 and 25, greet all your leaders. And then he uses the Greek chi to say it in a Hennedy's fashion in Greek grammar. That is to say, all the saints. All the saints are all the leaders of the church. See, a godly leader doesn't create followers, he creates leaders. 
And those who come from Italy send you greetings. And I like the way Paul ends the writing to Hebrews. You know, some people say, well, did Paul write Hebrews? 300 years, every church father who comments on Hebrews knew he did. So why would we come up with a new theory 1,800 years later? I mean, this is Pauline. This is the thinking of Paul. The righteousness by faith, apostle. Grace be with all of you. Amen. Dear Father, every child is a treasure to your heart. And we are your children. Father, thank you for the life of Joseph. Thank you for the good example of a leader. Lord, I am an imperfect leader. I need to grow. I need the people of this place, Lord, to work with me and to make up for my deficiencies. I thank you so much for them. And Father, may we treasure each other. May we care about the body of Christ more than ourselves. And in service, integrity, Lord, in grace and mercy and forgiveness, live in this place as a sweet savor for the world around us that needs to have a place to find God. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for leading us, O righteous leader, Jesus. Lead your people this week. May they leave their sins in the sea you have thrown them into. And may they hold their heads high because they are children of God. And may they never be afraid to do the right thing because that's what Jesus would do. Hold them and keep them and bless them on this holy Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen. There you have the conclusion to Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message here on Reaching Your Heart entitled, Joseph the Leader. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.